have you ever felt like you're running in the opposite direction of where you truly want to go? Have you ever felt like you're meant to do something and you feel so compelled to do it, yet you can't take any step or direction towards it? Is comfort and the familiarity of what you're used to keeping you repeating the same day? And if you feel called to do something, are you willing to do anything about it? Or do you just keep stuffing it down or ignoring it or not even registering that God may be trying to tell you something else that you just don't want to hear? Today, I want to dive into a scripture that is significant. And I had never really given it much thought. I knew it was part of this man's story and journey and coming to faith, but it seemed just like a little encounter with Jesus. But is any encounter just little with Jesus? I think not. So we're going to dive into a story of radical change of a man who went from persecutor to preacher, from defiance to devotion. This is the story of a turning point, not just for one man, but for the entire course of history, because this man impacted the entire course of history. Welcome back to The Thought Vault, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Vermillion. I'm a certified Christian life coach, and I'm a Christian millennial. And I like to talk about things that make me think, make me question and wonder and pontificate about God, what I'm doing here, what you're doing here, and just trying to come together in a community driven for Christ, wanting to know him more, and being very relatable because none of us have it figured out. So I'm glad you're here because today we're diving deep into this transformative power of having real faith and figuring out where God is trying to take each of us. And if we're willing to go on the ride, we are going to talk today about the pivotal moment in the life of one of the most influential figures in Christianity, and that is the Apostle Paul. Our focus is going to be looking at Acts 26 verse 14 the road to Damascus. And it's not just a turning point in Paul's life, but it also offers a lot of insight into the nature of resistance, our human flesh, our own self-righteousness, and just what the power that God has to transform us and give us a divine calling that is aligned with his will for us and the way that he made each of us to respond differently to the set of circumstances he gives us to walk through. In Acts 26, 14, we encounter Paul, who's known as Saul at the time. Interesting that after people encounter God in scripture, their name tends to change. It's like they're not the same person. How interesting would that be if like once we were baptized it was like a normal practice. And I know it is in some religions that your name has changed. It's, it's such a transformative part of your journey, your faith, what your entire existence is building as cornerstone on to change our name. I just wonder what I would have picked at that time. It's just an interesting sidebar. But Saul, who's known as Paul, he's on the road to Damascus. And this journey began as a mission to persecute Christians that he was given by the high priest. But it ends in a divine intervention. 
The voice of Jesus calls out to God where we're picking up in Acts 26, 14. Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Saul, Saul, the repetition of Paul's Hebrew name. It shows urgency and importance. Why do you persecute me? This question reveals that Jesus is identifying closely with his followers. To persecute his followers is to persecute God himself. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. A goad was a sharp stick used to prod oxen along. And clearly, if they didn't want to go that way, they would kick back or move back or try to turn back. And that stick would be there to keep them going in the right direction. So clearly, it was hurtful. It was painful. But it was a purposeful tool to get the oxen to go where they needed to be going. So Jesus is asking Saul, why are you kicking against this? When Jesus says this to Paul, he's saying, if you're going to kick against the call that I have on your life, it's just only going to bring you more pain. This moment illuminates this universal struggle, the resistance against what is divinely ordained for us. How are you resisting that? What are you doing? Are you just living in this perpetual comfort zone where your intention and your consciousness aren't even trying to activate? Like you're just living Groundhog's Day over and over again. You're just allowing your subconscious to just live your day for you. There have been so many studies about the way to have effective difference in your life, to transform yourself. And when discovering what's the issue, a lot of it is that our body, our mind goes on complete autopilot every single day when we wake up. There's some research that suggests we repeat up to 90% of what we did just the day before. And what's astonishing is this includes our thinking. Like we're even thinking these same thoughts every single day. How is anything going to change if you're literally pontificating on the same thing every single day? If your same response to how is your day is fine, is just fine until oblivion, we have no conscious effort and it only gets worse with devices. It only gets worse with many more things vying for our attention and causing distraction. Our brain can't comprehend or spend any valuable time or quality time trying to make change when we're just putting ourselves in constant stimulation. So the entire use of our brain all day long is to try to just survive through all the different stimuli that we're presenting it with. It makes us defeated. It makes us tired. It makes us feeling like we're not getting anything done, even though we're doing all these things. Nothing feels concrete or substantial because we're literally doing the same, same thing every single day. And so here Paul is on the road to Damascus, taking up another mission to go persecute Christians self-righteously feeling like he's doing it for a cause because he's on this mission for the high priest and he feels like he knows what's going on in the world and Jesus has been trying to get Paul to wake up and Paul's just resisting it he doesn't care he's doing his thing he's in his comfort zone and he's self-righteous about it he's prideful about about it like Paul, so many of us are resisting the call to a higher purpose out of our fear, out of misunderstanding, out of our laziness, or just a desire to maintain control over our own lives. This resistance not only causes pain, but it can also keep us from fulfilling our true potential, our true ability, like from really recognizing and realizing all the nuance and giftedness God has given us. We're all uniquely made and we're all needed for a purpose in God's kingdom. And 
we can't even fully activate that when we don't even have time to think about what would God even have me do with my time today. Much of the pain that we experience in times of challenge or adversity is not from the event themselves, but it's from kicking back against the pricks of life to our ego and to our pride. Instead of meeting God in the event, we waste time agonizing over, am I a failure? Has God passed me by? Is he even out there? Will my dreams ever come true? What is wrong with me? These are the questions we ask over and over again, yet doing nothing different in our actions and in our heart daily to be transformed by the power of Christ. Paul found himself fighting against the very God he thought he was trying to serve, and he was hurting himself. Perspective of this brings freedom, a freedom from the energy that these questions and agony require so that we can actually like pivot our energy and focus on what God is building within us. If we're so consumed about what we don't have or what we think is the correct way, we leave no room for God. Pride is the root of sin. Pride can easily speak lies to our heart and motivated by false righteousness. Paul thought he was righteous in his deeds to persecute Christians for the high priest. Whether we are seeking our own acknowledgement or claim that it's for God, how many of us claim, I'm doing this for God. God wants me to do this. We will never find contentment when what we do is apart from God's presence in our lives. And the defeat of our pride is a daily walk. It's not just going to happen one time. Like we have to take up the armament, the armor of God daily. We have to be focused on God's provision and purpose and guiding force in our life on a daily basis, on an hour by hour basis. Last week we talked about how our entire existence is a is an offer to worship God. So whether you're wiping baby booties, whether you're doing a financial report, whether you're ministering to a friend in need, whatever it might be, God is a part of that. And we're laying down every action we have as a form of worship to God. And if we're not doing that, then we tend to build ourselves up as God. We build ourselves up as the self-righteous one and the one worthy. And that's where we start getting hurt and pained. Because we're resisting God. We're working against him. Like every time we think we're doing it right or we get sidetracked or distracted or burnt out, it's just another way that God is signaling to us, you are striving. You are not thriving in this because you're resisting my presence in it. You're resisting my guidance because you're trying to strong arm it and do it all yourself. When we take matters into our own into our own hands this way and micromanage it all, we are making God so small. John MacArthur has said that humility creates the vacuum that divine grace feels. I love this quote. Taking ourselves out of the picture humbles us to the point that we can see the reality that apart from God, we are we are living a life of futility. And the thing is, pride is a daily walk with God, trying to kill it and subverting our own interest to serve God first. We must work to defeat it regularly, and context is everything as well. We hear that all the time when you're going to study scripture. A good mentor will say, you can't just read one verse and glean all this information from it. You have to see the context. You have to know who wrote it. Why was it written? What was happening in the culture at that time? What were the verses before it? What were the verses after it? Context makes a difference as to the meaning of something. So I challenge you to apply that to your life. Context is everything. So your circumstance is a big reason and purpose for what you're walking through. 
and what you're ultimately choosing to do, what action you're taking or not taking. There are things as believers that we may not experience, but there's still a context in our life. There have been examples in my life that I have seen firsthand how pride can wreak havoc on life and the ripple effect that it can take. Someone's pride and someone's ego and someone's self-righteousness is the root of the dismantling of the buildup that God is trying to create. You can single-handedly avoid any importance that God has on your life by idolizing yourself and your own ego in its place. When we have a heart and a focus for God, we can learn about God by learning from the journeys of others. And that's been such a gift. It's something I've realized is when you've been longing so intently for something and you feel like there's this call in your life, have you seen that play out in in similar versions or in a way in the context of your life? Have you seen it done well? Have you seen it done poorly? What has scripture said about the pursuit of something similar? I'll be very, very candid and honest with you all. I have a longing for my business, my coaching business, to make a certain level of income. It has been a huge driving force for me. The reason is because I had this ideal and this plan for how those funds are going to be utilized and what they will afford me to do to create the ministry that I feel called to have an impact through and to work for God's kingdom. And in order for me to do that, I've idolized this dream of what that would be. And so I've been so focused on earning revenue to fund said dream. I've been so consumed with needing more resources, more funds, and feeling like the success or the fruition of this dream happening is solely dependent on income. Like, how backwards is that? I have seen what the love of money can do. God has afforded me that without me personally having to walk through it, but I have had firsthand witness to it. And it has impacted my life in an emotional and spiritual way. And I just had this epiphany that this is a sin nature of mine. No matter how much I believe in the spreading of the gospel through this ministry and business that I'm hoping to create and form, I have self-righteously been pursuing something that I falsely claim being for God in spite of it being completely wrapped up and hinging on the money. Don't I believe that God is more powerful than money? Don't I believe that even with zero dollars, his impact can be made through my life because I'm here, I'm just alive and I'm willing to say his name, right? Like, of course, but have I been living that out? Have I been living with that allegiance to God, that trust in him? If he has called me to something, just like he has called you to something, nothing else is required to facilitate its possibility, just apart from my own obedience to follow. So Paul, why would I kick against the goats? Why would I lament the fallacies of my own limited understandings? Following God with abandon is all my energy should be pushing for. It is futile otherwise. My pride, my ego, my way must be diminished in order for me to capture the true drive toward God and not a false idol of my own veiled attempts. There are so many depiction examples in scripture of people who have a dream, they have a vision, and ultimately it is fulfilled, but it comes about in a very obscure way. Joseph is a great example. He had this vision of what his life would be like, that he would have some type of power and ability to provide for his 
family and be the one that all his brothers looked up to and came to and saw that he would have this authority. And it made him proud. It made him happy. It stroked his ego. But what happened to him? He was enslaved. He was sold. He was torn apart from his family. Yet he still operated in a way of pursuing still God because he was a slave, but he clearly worked so hard at being a good slave that he was promoted to head of household for this man and his whole estate. He was promoted because he worked so hard as a slave. God expects us to have this obedient faith where we are taking action. We are pursuing him. Is there any evidence of that in our life? We might have this longing and this calling that keeps us up at night and makes us have excitement and joy for the possibility and what could come. And yet we're doing nothing to see that through, yet we're taking no action to do that. Or we're not sitting still in order to follow God's leading instead of taking everything into our own control. Are we pushing our pride aside and saying, that would be amazing. God, simply show me how. Simply show me the way to do that. And while your dream may be big and all that stuff, it, there's no possibility of it coming to existence if we're spending all the time kicking against the goads, as God is pointing out to Saul. We see that Paul's self-righteousness is keeping him from a true relationship with God. He thinks he's doing what is needed for God and for his kingdom and to fulfill the purpose that God has for him. But man, when he finally stops trying to do it on his own, he actually becomes an apostle that his writings, God speaking through Paul and his life and his understanding of God and scripture and all these elements, his words and his obedient faith, once he realized that he was working against God, when he finally stepped into aligning his life with God, his impact has been limitless. His words we read. The majority of the New Testament is written by Paul. And all the insight and the knowledge that God spoke through him is written for us to have a faith in the same God. What more impact could a person's life be? But had Paul continued to push against God, it would not have thwarted God's plan for God's word to be out, for the church to be established. It would have been completed through somebody else because of God's mercy and Saul's ability to be humble and push aside his pride and the ego, God was able to connect with Paul in the way that was needed to allow all of that to be fulfilled through the life of Paul. And so it's just amazing to think about what are you not allowing God to do in your life simply because you're choosing to ignore it, never think about it, push against it and do it your way. And how is that holding you back from truly knowing God and having true faith. Do you have true faith? The first step towards transformation is acknowledging the presence and sovereignty of God in our lives. Paul's encounter reminds us that God calls out to us and sometimes when we least expect it. But if we're not pursuing God constantly, if he's not what we are idolizing, then we're not gonna have the humility or the willingness to listen and hear what he's trying to show and tell us. God is there. It's not a question of whether God sees you, whether God's there or not. He is, and he sees you. Identifying the reason behind your resistance is very crucial. Paul got an eye-opening, how wonderful would it be for God to just say, Emily, and then give me a 
thing to chew on. He pointed out to Paul, you're resisting me and you're just causing yourself more pain. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to say, Emily, you're duh. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong, right? But this applies. What he's telling to Saul applies to us. How are you resisting him? How are you not prioritizing him? How are you, why are you not hearing him? And if you're totally just completely confused, pray because he will reveal it to you. Are you afraid of change? Worried of what others might think? Doubting your own ability? Understanding these fears help us to address them directly and pray over that. And Paul's transformation began with surrender. He surrendered to God's will. It doesn't mean giving up on your dreams. Rather, it's about aligning our desires with the plans that God has for us. This alignment can bring peace, clarity, and a sense of fulfillment that the world will forever leave you vying for and wanting more. It's always going to be just out of reach. It's so easy for us to be like a train. Everything in our peripheral is blurred. We slow down hardly at all to see the scenery that we're in. And all we're deadlocked set on is what's in front of us. And a lot of times that's our own idealization of what we're wanting out of life, what we think we are, all of these things. It's all about us. And we're looking at that and we have all this momentum, all this momentum behind us to the point that when something crosses our path, a health issue, something we just clearly didn't expect, a death, just whatever it might be, crosses our path. We have no ability to slow down, to address it, to deal with it. And so we plow through it, we keep going, but eventually what happens to a runaway train? It crashes, it burns, it explodes, it's done. Runaway trains have a lot of momentum behind it, but they never get to that completion. There will always be something ahead of them that they're looking, that it's working hard to get to, but something's gonna cross this path. And there's no time to slow down. There's no time to deal with it, to experience it, to allow a different outcome. Are you a runaway train? And it doesn't even mean that you're doing a lot. You could just be doing the same thing you've been doing. But are you a runaway train doing the same thing over and over and over again until you die? Is that the end point? When are you going to hit your realization? You're waking up. Just as Jesus identified closely with his followers, reminding Paul that to persecute them was to persecute, persecute him, we too are reminded that we are not alone in our journey. God imparted the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. His presence is always there. And he also afforded us the desire to belong. And that's because we as a body of believers need one another. And the support that each other offers is abounding. Like I mentioned before, all of us, I'm sure, have one degree separation of witnessing radical faith that someone has for the Lord. Those people that are going through something and you're like, I just don't know how they can still praise God. I don't know how they're not just falling apart and what a testament that is to you. How have you seen that in your life? What is the context? You might walk through something similar, but now you see a faith and what that can do, how that can help you in your journey through it. Or you don't have to experience that, but you have a more humbled reality that there's so much out of our control because we do live in a broken world and how can we orient our lives to be strongholds for our faith to help see us through those times and to have the resources that only God can provide through something we would never wish to experience ourselves? How has your sin nature 
been something that you've witnessed around you? And what has been the lesson from that? Are you even watching? Are you even present? Embracing our divine calling leads us to serve others. Paul's life after his conversion was literally dedicated to nothing but spreading the gospel, helping establish the church, showing us that true fulfillment comes from serving God and his people. Acts 26.14 is more than a historical account. It's a reflection of our own spiritual journey. Like Paul, we may find ourselves on a road marked by resistance and struggle. Yet it's in this place of surrender that we find our true calling. As we embrace this divine direction for our lives, we discover that the path God has for us is one filled with purpose and joy and contentment. Not because of what we gain, what materially we have of this world, but because we are in this world living for God. That is where our fulfillment comes. That is where our divine purpose comes. That is how our dreams are realized, by showing up in faith and obedience with God instead of resisting him, instead of resisting our own inclination. Get out of that comfort zone. Press upon God to reveal to you how, where, what, when. Be willing to listen. Be willing to be patient. Be willing to be humbled and to set aside your pride every single day, every single moment. It's going to be hard at first, and it's probably going to take you every minute trying to push a thought for yourself out of the way. But when we orient our whole life to focus on God, focus on, focus on his vision for our life, we are fulfilled and content in the blessing that God gives to us by having us drawing closer to him and in lockstep pursuing those things of God's heart and nature. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to this on your podcast app, hit the follow button. Make sure to leave a review that really helps promote the show and share it to others. If you're watching this on YouTube, hi, thank you for being here. Please hit that subscribe button and also the bell button so that you are notified when new episodes are dropped. Be sure to check out the Dear Emily segment in the description below or in the show notes of this podcast episode so that you can submit a question that you would like personalized feedback on. These are completely anonymous and I'm very excited to start rolling these episodes out very soon. And being able to answer precise questions or give feedback on a circumstance that you're dealing with or situation. I look forward to helping our community in that way. And I'm so thankful that you're here and you're a part of the Bold Life community. I also have linked many of the resources that I use, Bible study tools, health things, what I've utilized and learned from that help me to live a more balanced life with the Lord. So you can follow the links to those things and the resources that I have specifically created for our Bold Life community. I have several life coaching tools that are available for you to grab and work through and utilize so that you can have this more balanced perception of how to have a healthy, biblically set mindset and a heart pursuing God so that your days when you go to bed, you're not feeling like you've done so much and accomplished nothing. We're here to get out of our comfort zone. We're here to evolve with God and have this journey through life that is sanctifying, that is revealing, and that brings joy, joy knows no limit because God is a God of all things and all possibility. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. Please share it. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Have a wonderful day. Go live with bold intention. Bye for now, everyone. 